This is CyberSound, your simplified and fundamentals-focused source for all things cybersecurity. Welcome to CyberSound. I'm your host, Jason Pufal, joined today by CEO Michael Grandy. How are you doing? Great. Great to be here. Uh, and uh, we have a special guest today, uh, founder of Perspectives Investments, uh, Darren Violet. How are you doing? I'm well. How are you? Good. Uh, I'm excited to have you here. Uh, I mean, we've known each other for a long time. We've talked uh, an awful lot about sort of personal and business risk. So uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to this conversation. And it, it's a tiny bit of a deviation probably from our normal format where I'd say we're talking about cybersecurity issues or IT issues. Or actually, I feel like we've been doing a lot about AI. AI. Uh, but I think ultimately it's, it's a risk management discussion, right, where we have built a business. Uh, hopefully people listening to this, you know, have, have also built a business and, you know, business protection is a concern for them. Uh, and I think really the discussion today is, is really meant to center around that. Yeah. There's, there's so many variety of concerns and issues that business owners have to, have to deal with. And, and it's great to be joined by a professional that can walk us through some of the other ways to mitigate some of that risk. So I think you'll maybe quickly teeing it up Darren. I know that we talked some about, uh, how to protect the people involved in a business. And, and I'm going to keep it as general as that, because I know you can speak to it a whole lot more eloquently than I can. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we were, we were talking just how much what we do professionally rhymes because you're working on the cybersecurity side to protect the business from that risk. But there's so many other areas of risk, you know, things like the legal and liability side. Obviously there's economic factors as the, the world changes and evolves around us you know there's natural disasters when we're in some of those areas and then really where where my professional sphere sits is what happens if there's the loss of a business owner or the loss of a key employee how do we how do we protect against those risks so so loss um early exit because of you know something great happened to them or you know it potentially right the early departure because of a, a death or something like that like what you know what causes are you generally protecting against yeah no great question so you, you, we always hope it's the voluntary exit <laughs> yeah. you know there's either a, a great sale or somebody retires and there's a there's an internal transfer to a key employee or a family member but there's also a lot of things that aren't the way we want to exit and we need to be prepared for those things like death, disability, some of the divorce. Um, it could be a loss of professional license. Uh, we really hope not the case, but it can be criminal convictions. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, those things do happen. And, you know, not our area, but those are all things that should be written into the what's called a buy sell agreement. It's a legal document that lays out in advance of these events exactly how that would happen. And are there ways to, uh, you know, I'll, I'll use the term very generally, right? Insure, but, uh, you know, use financial instruments or insurance instruments to to fund some of these things, especially for small business owners who, who have so many challenges ahead of them, as you enumerated before. Um, you know, are there ways to to try to lessen some of that risk or at least fund some of mm. these other things in the event of these either catastrophic situations and in some in some cases positive, but mostly to the negative that we're trying to insure against? Yeah. And the nice thing is a lot of them rhyme. Right. So, I mean, the the first and simplest thing to do to prepare for these 
is just to create a really strong business. So when there's good cash flow and there's good cash reserves, you're better prepared against some of these things, right? So there, cause it is a financial shock to the system when these things come along. Um, to, to your point though, that's, that's not usually sufficient. You know, there's not a lot of businesses with real sus- sustainable enterprise level right. value that have enough cash on hand to handle something like this. So generally speaking, you wouldn't want to have written into the legal document specifics. So there's no insurance for if there's a divorce and a spouse wants half of your value of your ownership. But what you can do is you can write it in such a way that there's a a staged payout for that. So it's not a, hey, tomorrow we got to write a check for 50% of the value of the company. Right. It could, that, that could destroy the business, that not only valuation, but liquidity and, and ability to operate. Precisely. I mean, how many businesses genuinely fail versus how many of them get to a point where their cash flow doesn't sustain them? Right. And these are the things that can be so disruptive, they could crush a company. Yeah. Uh, but to your point, there are also insurance products, right? So for the early death of an owner, you can protect against that with life insurance. The disability of an owner, whether temporary or permanent, there's a few different types of disability insurance that can protect against that. And you know the, the, the types and amounts and all that obviously are particular to a situation, but that can be protected for pennies on the dollar. Those are, in some ways, those are the easy ones. Some of the other ones are a lot more complicated. So, you know, uh, I learned a great lesson and, and, and you actually delivered the lesson to me about, um, during the planning process and actually during the execution process of some of these uh, instruments and, and policies, you know, they can be designed with the best of intentions, uh, but obviously businesses evolve and ownership evolves and, and, and needs change. And hopefully valuations change, right? Upwards in many cases, hopefully. Um, but there's also some key tax strategies. And I know we're not here to talk tax strategy and, and none of us are in that arena, right? Always consult a professional when it comes to tax guidance and advice. But, um, you know, businesses need to be aware that, you know, the the value that they may derive from some of these uh, insurance instruments may be taxable and in some cases may not be. Just touch on that briefly. I, I found that to be intriguing. Yeah. And, and you're, you're hitting on a couple of layers, right? Where as the valuation changes, your legal document might give it formula for the valuation. But if your funding mechanism is only half of that, you could have a legal obligation to pay without the financial means to pay. And then to your point around the taxation pieces, if policies are not structured correctly, uh, and, and again, there's a few different ways you can design these. So it, it sort of gets down some rabbit trails, but if they're not designed correctly, the proceeds can be taxable. And that should never be the case. They, it should be designed and structured appropriately in advance such that you avoid taxation um, from an income tax standpoint. And there's also ways you can structure it where it, it, does, it does or does not go into the valuation of the company. And that impacts how the benefits are, are structured as well. So there's a lot of wrinkles to dealing with it correctly. You got to get it right on the legal side and you got to get it right on the financial side. Well, to your point, I'm not the, the legal advisor there. <laughs> right. uh, so, I, I mean, these are hard conversations to have, though, which I think, you know, if, there, if there's a takeaway that, that I've had from, from sort of working with Darren is ta- tackle some of these conversations up front, 
decide how you want things to happen. You know, if, for example, I were to die, like what what do we want to do relative to my part of the company and my wife? And thinking through that upfront is a lot easier than thinking through it after. And you know, when when everybody when there's a certain amount of duress. Yeah, it's good to have a good plan well, in place, right? <laughs> I'll use uh, some Tony Robbins language. Talk about it in a cold state, not in a hot state. Mm, yeah. You know, when right. calmer minds are, are prevailing, yeah. it, it's a much better time than when someone just lost a spouse, they're panicking about a payout, or somebody is permanently disabled. That's not the time to have the conversation. It's a great point. Well, one of the other areas that you know we touched on early on, and and you know, there's business risk and uh, you know concerns as it relates to employees. Growing companies have a lot of things to be concerned about. You know, employee retention, turnover, offering uh, you know an attractive benefits package, and also ensuring certain key people in an organization that may be really hard to replace in the event of a loss for whatever that reason may be. Perhaps talk us through some of those options. Yeah, good point. Because because when you're in a small company, it may be possible that we wear more than one hat in the company and we become really important to that company. Um, my guess is most of, of the folks listening today, you have one or two people that are driving the majority of your sales or one or two people that are the majority of your actual industry expertise. Someone is the, the technical mind on the team. And absent that person, you lose their ability to drive the business or to complete the business. Now you have to hire them and you have to retain your clientele while you got the person up and running who's replacing them. So when we have somebody and we'd call it a key person, it's just the, the really simple but technical language, <laughs> is we want that part protected so that the company gets an influx of cash if that person leaves abruptly. And you can do that in multiple ways too. You can do that through life insurance as well. If they pass away, you get an influx of money, but you can also tie that in with strategies like a retention stay bonus. You know, hey, Jason, if you stay working for me for the next 10 years, you know, and I know your kids are a little older, but <laughs> let's pretend your kids are going to school at that point. I'll pay 25,000 a year for four years for them to go to school. But if you leave in year seven, you forfeit that benefit. So you leave on me. I've been setting aside dollars. Mm, right. So I get that money back. Right. But if you stay, it's great for my business and it's great for you. You tie in the, I need dollars if you leave abruptly. And if you pass away, I can, I can get a dead, the death benefit to do that. But if you stay, well, that's good for the value of my company all along. And that's really what we're trying to do with all these strategies is, drive the valuation of the company up. The better we mitigate our risks, the more valuable our companies are. So actually, that's a question I was actually going to just ask, which is how appealing or how attractive is it to maybe a prospective investor or a prospective buyer when you've got some of these protections in place? Like, is that, is that viewed favorably? It's a massive driver of valuation. You'll hear the KPIs, like what actually brings the value to, to bear if my best people can walk out the door the day after I sell my business, a buyer is going to be really scared off by that. Yeah. But if I've got contracts in place, if I've got strategies in place that 
highly incentivize them to stay for a number of years. Well, there's a confidence in the buyer that there's going to be a continuity to the business and really the relationships they have with their clientele. So, you know, one of the key takeaways from the conversation so far, it really has been the need to not only be, you know, forward looking and, uh, you know, try to try to think of as many different scenarios as possible, but perhaps also be creative in some of the solutions that you need to design because, you know, every situation is not identical and you've got to, you've got to plan for a lot of different situations. Well, and especially with employee retention, because everybody wants to just throw money at a problem, yeah. but it doesn't necessarily work. Yeah. If I give you, Hey, every year, if you hit your metrics, I'm going to give you a great bonus. The day after you get the bonus, you can walk out the door because right. someone else could offer you the same money. When you use some of the more creative strategies, yes, there's money up front. People need to live and, and enjoy their life along the way. But when I also tie it in with a way to, to keep you around with me, the proverbial golden handcuffs, I know it gets a bad rap, but it's a good strategy because yeah. we, we both win. Yeah. You win by staying and I win as the business owner by keeping my best people, best people. around. I mean, you run a business, you know what it costs to replace somebody who leaves, right? It's even when you can replace it from a business sense, you never make up for the cost of transition. Yeah. And there's, 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 there's costs of transition, training, time lost, customer uh, confidence, reputation risk. There's so many variables to consider with that. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. So are, are these strategies that you think are applicable to a specific size business or is it, Hey, you're, you're a sole proprietor, but you should still be, or maybe you're, maybe you're two people. Right. Uh, and you should be thinking about some of these potential risks. Like, is there a threshold? I'd say we think about it differently. If you're you know, merely a onesie, twosie sole proprietor type shop where it's your personal planning will address a lot of these issues just as much, if not more so than the business planning. Um, as there's multiple owners, as their employees, that brings in the need to adopt these strategies. Uh, you know, if you're a 5,000 person firm, <laughs> the loss of one person, unless they're C-suite, yeah. probably is a, it, it's a dent. It's not a major crushing event. Um, so at some point, the scale of a company if an engineer leaves Apple tomorrow, they probably don't notice. Right, right. An engineer leaves a firm of 20 people, you're going to notice. That's going to hurt. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that's logical thinking for sure. Uh, any, uh, you know, we talked a little bit before this and we said we can take, we can cover you know, a half dozen bullet points and make this a one hour long uh, webinar, right? So uh, any points though that you'd like to make relative to, uh, you know, it, Per, the personal protection side of business ownership and maybe some you know, key employee, key person. I'd say the, the, the biggest concern that I have is most business owners will deal with this once and then they set it aside and don't readdress it. And I got to suspect in your business, you'll say the same thing is if you're not actively working on it, it grows really stale and ineffective. <laughs> Um, I, I constantly see valuations and funding of where they were seven or 10 years ago and trying to encourage getting an updated valuation, updating the legal documents, updating the funding mechanisms, readdressing those, what the benefit packages are. I mean, 
even a 401k plan with a match is an employee retention. Right. It right. might not be an amazing one, but it is one. And continuing to look through is what are the things that our people care about, they value, and tying them with what you want as a business owner. And how do you marry those together? And annually, do you think that's a worthwhile exercise? Is that too frequent? It's not. Um, it, I would settle for every two years on evaluation. Okay. Um, it's something we actually do for people. We run valuations as part of our practice with business owners. Um, we, we, we're partnered up with a firm that does that. They have a ton of great data. They don't do it for an IRS grade. If, if somebody's passing away and the IRS is looking for a payout, you need the uh, ten dollars or $20,000 valuation done. But if it's for planning purposes, it's, it's a great software. It's a great company we work with. And we get very valuable, actionable info out of there. And what I appreciate, again, to tie this back in is all of that work is done to tie into the valuation of the company so that you now know when we put these things in place, the software we use gives us the change in the valuation on based upon the implementation of those things. So as the business owner, you get to see how your work is driving the value of your company. Cause I mean, really that's what eventually we want to sell our businesses, maybe at 50, maybe at 80, but it's someday we want to sell it and maximizing that value to the next buyer why wouldn't we want to do it? You don't want to leave valuation on the right. table for nothing. And, you know, I, I would, I would feel that in many cases uh, without sort of regular, regularly visiting valuation, man, risk management strategies and, and, and other key pieces, key employee retention uh, and general employee retention, you know, many business owners probably aren't aware of, of the certain levers that they can pull that really have a great impact on business valuation and, Really, at, at the end, part of, I think our takeaway today is that really good sound business risk management will drive good valuation. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, no, sub, no substitute for planning, right? Right, no, absolutely. It. And uh, it doesn't have to be that complicated. These aren't necessarily like major endeavors that take months and years to put in place. Some of these are really simple things. So that but statement I love because I feel like on the security side, I've discussions with clients all the time around your know, business continuity planning. And everybody thinks that's a you know, year long activity that includes every single person in the company. And I always say, you know, it can be, or you can have a couple of conversations with some really key business owners and figure out what you're really worried about. Like, let's not make it more onerous than it needs to be. So. Well, and probably an overused phrase, but you hear progress is better than perfection. Right. Yes. And it applies here. Yeah. You know, I'd rather you do something and start to work on this than make it into a massive project and do nothing. Right. You know, chunk it out, take a piece at a time, put it on the Gantt chart if you're an engineer <laughs> and do a piece every quarter for the next two years. That's fine. Right. Just do something. So that's, that's a good takeaway. That's Just, a good do takeaway. Just do something. Just uh, do something. Darren, it, it's it's been a pleasure. I mean, I, I, I feel fortunate to sort of be able to work with you both personally and, 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 and professionally. Uh, it's you. great to have you on the podcast. Uh, your guidance is always, is, is always spot on. So, uh, if yes, anybody, thank you for having me. Yeah. Yeah. And enjoy if it. Anybody wants to have, you know, have a further conversation about this is probably you know, a tiny bit further afield. Uh, so maybe these are better questions for, for a Michael than a me, uh, but, uh, happy to converse with anybody who wants to. And, and Darren, thank you very much for joining today. Absolutely. Thank, Thank you. you very much.
We'd love to hear your feedback. Feel free to get in touch at Vancord on LinkedIn. And remember, stay vigilant, stay resilient. This has been CyberSound.